Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Oh, let me talk to you. Yeah, and we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to keep that conversation going after the show. So, Pad, where does everybody head to? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You head on over there. You sign up on all the social media links. Everything's updated, so in case Twitter or X goes down, trust us, we can keep that conversation rolling on every single major social media platform. Also, check out the T Public Store link. Check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. The blog section of the show where there's always reviews coming left and right. Might have a special entertainment one coming too. Uh, teasing, so stay tuned for that. Dot, dot, dot. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yep. The classified section where you can find friends of the show such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, where the monster shows of Turn a Page and Wrestling Night Live are right there on the front page too. We got uh-huh. the embedded players in there, so if you're not sure how to get there, we make it so easy for you to hit subscribe interact with us on the shows because, like I said, we got a lot going on there. Also, the directory. How many providers are we on? 926,000. Sounds about right to me. I don't question that. The music section, where you're going to hear such great musicians as Tom Jolu, Brian Wolf, and the Howlers. Shout out the robots and many, many more. Basically, if there's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the sports edition of the show, well, it's football season. Yes, it is. So you know how we kick anything off during that time period. And if you're new to the show, hey, thank you very much for checking us out. Drop that five-star review for us. It definitely helps the algorithm. We recap the week that was in the NFL, so Pad, kick us off. Uh, I'm going to start with my lock because I think, as everyone in this group that does locks and leaps with us will agree, the leaps were absolutely terrible this week. Yes, yes, they were. Uh, so I'm going to start with one of my locks, and that was the San Francisco Giants to beat the or San Francisco 49ers, sorry, to defeat the New York Giants, which they did by the final score of 30-12. to 12. Uh, Brock Purdy, 25 of 37 for 310 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Daniel Jones, 22 of 32 for 137 yards passing, no touchdowns, just one interception. Matt Breda led New York in rushing with four carries, 17 yards, one touchdown. Christian McCaffrey led at San Francisco in rushing because, of course, he did. 18 carries, 85 yards, just one touchdown. Debo Samuel led San Francisco in receiving because if this is news to you, you must be living under a rock. Mm -hmm. Six catches, 129 yards, one touchdown. Also of note, George Kittle, seven catches, 90 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, And on the Giants' side of things, Darius Slayton led them in receiving with three three catches, 32 yards, no touchdowns. San Francisco Giants would have had a better chance. Yeah, they probably would Just putting it out there because the New York football Giants, uh, how do we put it nicely? I don't think we can. No, you can't. You suck. Literally. They are not a good team. No. And no matter how anybody wants to try spinning it, they knew that they were going to be having problems with Saquon Barkley in the lineup at running Mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. McMurray is serviceable, but he's not the guy. I'm sorry. No, he ain't. Just putting it out there. Daniel Jones, also not the guy either. That offensive line, not those guys. No. 
They like, have, listen, I, I get Giants fans were probably feeling good and happy about the win against Arizona last week, which, hey, you should always feel good when your team wins. But that win came with a caveat that, like, this is the Arizona Cardinals. Like, you should not have beaten the Arizona Cardinals. You should not have beaten the Arizona Cardinals by that slim of a margin. No, absolutely not. And the fact that it was that close, I mean, it's telling. And I'm sorry that anybody that thinks the hangover in the Brian Devil era is carrying through. This is going to be a shock to some people. Now, before any Giants fans hit us up, hashtag ODPH Pod and go, well, the, the Cardinals beat the Cowboys this week. Yeah, because the Cowboys got caught looking past them. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be real. Let's early preview that one. Cowboys got caught looking. You know, sorry, Cowboys fans, but it happens every once in a while. But the Giants, is as bad as you are, the Cardinals are on paper are worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and the fact that the Cardinals had you dead to rights, you know, through what? The first, like, two and a half quarters, whatever it was last week. And then you, you, hey, kudos! You pulled off the comeback, and you, and you, well, pulled it out. Like it's always good to see uh, some players do that. Shouldn't have needed to happen, though. No, absolutely not. I mean, the thing about the Giants is everybody is buying into the hype that happened last season. And last season, they got off to a hot start. It was an anomaly. Sure, it's it, it's the young guy from minor league baseball getting called up to the majors, and in his first, you know half dozen at-bats, half dozen dozen at-bats, hits a couple home runs, and everyone goes, oh, my God, this is incredible. We haven't seen a performance like this since Roger Maris in the, you know, whatever year. Like, you see that every now and again, but then what happens? You get the game tape, you get the film, the pitchers and the coaching staff watch it, and all of a sudden that that batter gets figured out. Mm -hmm. That's what's happened with this team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the one problem that the Giants are going to have. They were flying under the radar last season, and they were the Cinderella story. Mm Mm-hmm. Cinderella's ball ends at midnight. Mm-hmm. And for the Giants, it ended last season because teams were looking for you this year. Especially because what what you need to do in every offseason is improve because there's going to be a shit ton of footage of your team from last year. And if you come in with the same, same staff and personnel and haven't really upgraded anything, it's going to be real easy to figure out what you do because, hey, not much has changed. No, absolutely not. And the Giants still have the same problems they did last year. Just winning it was a bigger Band-Aid to cover up the wound. Mm-hmm. This year, the Band-Aid is not big. No. The offensive line is awful. Their defense is getting gassed out late. Yeah, It's not looking pretty. I mean, their big offensive signing this season, Darren Waller, three catches, 20 yards. That ain't nothing to sneeze at. Right. And Daniel Jones is doing the best he can, but let's face it. He was not the guy. He has flashes of brilliance. Sure. But they're a blink and you miss them. Broken clock is right twice a day. I mean, you, you brought up the defense being gassed. You look at time of possession uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, 39 minutes and 10 seconds. New York Giants, 20 minutes and 50 seconds. Exactly. Almost double. Well, that's the difference between the great teams and the, and the ones that are struggling. The 49ers understand how to win games. Mm-hmm. They are arguably the best team in all of football, mm-hmm. not just the NFC. And when you have Brock Purdy back at the helm, Managing the game, but still putting up stats. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey has been running fantastic. Yeah, he has. He's been healthy. It's like California weather, baby. You know, it's just a different scenery, but it's also a better offensive line than they had in Carolina. Yeah. So let's put that in perspective yeah. as well. Yeah. And you want to see how a line makes you look great? Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant, and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's won his, like, 11 out of his first 12 games in his career. And the only loss he has in his career thus far is in the NFC title game. Mm, where he got hurt. Yeah. So you, his arm muscle completely tore off. If I, I could be wrong. I could right. be, yeah, something like that. And I could be wrong on that number, but I know he's only lost one game. Right. But that's the whole thing about him. Yeah. 
is he has weapons around him that are showing up. I mean, Debo putting up a hell of a stat line, six catches, 129 yeah. and one. Yeah. Kittle, 790 and zero, but yep. still. Yeah. But when you're having that kind of punch on the ground and in the air, and your defense is playing lights out as well, too, pressuring mm-hmm. the quarterback constantly. Yeah. And Daniel Jones had no time to do anything. And like I say, when he's hit six times, like mm-hmm. that's a big deal. I mean, sure. The Giants also got some hits in there as well, but you take a look at that line, and especially yeah. when the second and, and fourth quarters, that's when the 49ers took over. Mm-hmm. Well, and if there's any kudos we got to give the Giants, it's, you know, hey, you didn't turn the ball over a whole lot. You know, only the one turnover, which was the interception from Daniel Jones, which with as good as that San Francisco defense is, the fact that you didn't fumble the ball at all is at least something. No, they have some things that they can take solace in, but at the end of the day, I think that they know that they are not going to be a team that, is striking fear in a lot of others. No. I think that if Saquon was healthy, maybe it would have been a slightly closer game. Slightly, but it wouldn't have been a huge difference maker. Right. So I think the Giants need to do more retooling. I don't know if this is going to be the season for it. Right. But I know from these three games, and even the Cardinals game, like you touched upon, they should have absolutely ran away with that game. Mm -hmm. They didn't. Mm -hmm. So now looking forward, I mean, the Giants still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, they do. Uh, looking at their schedule, they have the next couple of weeks. Uh, this upcoming week, they're on Monday Night Football playing the Seattle Seahawks. That is at home. Uh, then week five, they're on the road playing the Miami Dolphins. Good luck, guys. Yeah. Uh, and then the week after that, they're on the road playing the Buffalo Bills. Again, good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then following that, week seven, they're at home playing the Washington Commanders. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, and then for the San Francisco 49ers this upcoming Sunday, they are at home playing the Arizona Cardinals. Following week, they stay at home and play the Dallas Cowboys. Then they are on the road playing the Cleveland Browns in week six. Uh, then week seven there on Monday Night Football, on the road playing the Minnesota Vikings. So, like we say, the 49ers are heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple tough games in that stretch. Yeah. But in comparison to the Giants, uh, I'm not saying the season is lost, but the season is dimming hope right uh, now. It's hanging on by a thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking of the Minnesota Vikings and teams that we cannot figure the fuck out, uh, (laughs) my leap was the Minnesota Vikings to defeat the Los Angeles Chargers because, let's face it, I looked at the performance the Los Angeles Chargers had last week and went, yeah, even if they put up a stellar performance, they can't pull out the win. Uh, They did, however, with the Los Angeles Chargers beating the Minnesota Vikings 28-24. to Justin Herbert, 40 of 47 for 405 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 32 of 50 for 367 yards passing, three touchdowns, just one interception. Alexander Matson, uh, 20 for Minnesota, led it in rushing, uh, 20 carries, 93 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Joshua Kelly led the Chargers in rushing with 11 carries, 12 yards, no touchdowns. Keenan Allen led the Chargers in receiving with 18 catches, 215 yards receiving. Uh, no touchdowns. Also got to mention Mike Williams, seven catches, 121 yards receiving, uh, one touchdown. Uh, and then on the flip side for Minnesota, Justin Jefferson led them in receiving with seven catches, 149 yards passing, one touchdown. Uh, also of note, TJ Hawkinson, uh, eight catches, 78 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, also should note Mike Williams, done for the year with a torn ACL. Yeah, tough break for him. Uh where do you want to start with? The Chargers or the Vikings? Because I can go either way about this one. start with the Chargers. Okay, so the Chargers, the most inconsistent team in football, snuck one out. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be on it. Mm-hmm. Late-minute dramatics pulled something out where they shouldn't have pulled out. This team should be 3-0. Mm-hmm. Easy. But yet again, inconsistent play from both sides of the ball 
are preventing games like this from being a route mm-hmm. each and every week. Mm-hmm. Herbert looked great. 405 yards, three touchdowns. So that's a phenomenal stat line. Yeah. Uh, had a rating of 123.8. But what's more scary to me is the rushing stat mm-hmm. line. Combined team total, 15 carries, 30 yards. Yeah, uh, average of two yards a carry. Mm-hmm. So you are putting a lot of pressure on Herbert to make something happen if you have no running game. Mm-hmm. Albeit, though, one of the most stellar wide receiver cores in the league. Yeah. And Keenan Allen, like I say, is is always solid. He won't find the end zone a lot, but right. he's, he's solid for yards. So for fantasy players, he's always great. But this is going to be a problem moving forward, too, because with Mike Williams out the year, right. somebody's got to step up. Somebody's really got to make up that stat line. Right. But for the Chargers, like I say, they should have routed Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Kirk Cousins. I'm going to say this, and maybe Vikings fans are going to feel a certain way about it. Hashtag ODPHPod. Trade him to the Jets already. Right. The experiment's done. You're 0-3. The season, I will say, after next week, if you are winless, it's a wash. I mean, this this was supposed to be, at least in theory you know, the the Viking season because gone is Aaron Rodgers. You know, in theory, on paper, you look at the success Minnesota's had the last couple of years and figure, oh, you know what, now without, you know, the the walking giant that is Aaron Rodgers not in that division, you got you got at least got a shot. I mean, you look at what happened in the AFC East after Tom Brady mm-hmm. left, you gave other teams a shot. You know, so you would think that, hey, this is their opportunity to seize it, but uh, they're kind of blowing it. No, they absolutely are. I mean, I'm sorry. This is the time that Minnesota should have stepped out of the gate and done something. It's almost a tale of two teams, mm-hmm. in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is very inconsistent. He has to get really mad to show up. Yeah, That's why I say put him in the New York media. He'll be lighting it up. He might be the MVP of the season. Yeah. I'm not lying about it. Yeah, But you take a look at that running back core. Madison is doing well. You can't complain about him. Justin Jefferson and Hawkinson are doing great for the offensive side. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you are struggling as bad as you are, especially late. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. And the Chargers were were throwing the ball all over the place on you. Yeah, like I said, the fact that you gave a 400 yards in the air plus, that's a problem. Right. And especially if this was a game that was very very winnable, and it unfortunately went sideways late, you really have to assess now what's the future of this team and Kirk Cousins is he really the guy for you right or do you just say what value can we get now trade him to a team like the Jets right and see what value you can get back like I mean I would be considering this if they, especially depending on what happens next week but I'm at least feeling some calls right now I mean they, they could field it and they could see what's happening but I don't know if the Jets have anything left to give considering everything they gave up for Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the biggest thing with with Minnesota, and I'm just looking like, obviously nothing much has changed with the receiving core. The only thing I can kind of put it on is the running game because I'm looking at this year with their uh, high rusher. So it's been Mattinson all three weeks. Mm -hmm. Week one, he had 34 yards. Week two, 28 yards. And then this week, he had the 93 yards. Uh, And then you look at last season where, obviously, Dalvin Cook was there, but you look at the first couple weeks, you know, uh, Green Bay, 90 yards week two was cousins with 20 week three was cook with 96 75 94 77 111 so he's always floating around that like 
you know, 50 to 100 range, which is which is fairly decent for a running back. I mean, let's be, you'd like to see the 100 yards, mm-hmm. but it's still pretty decent. So, I mean, you look at it, that just the run, their running game for Minnesota just isn't there, you know, and, and that's the other side with the Chargers as well, because Austin Eckler is out. He suffered. A, I was looking it up because he's got if you're if you might, at home might be wondering, well, wait, why is Austin Eckler not got to carry? He's injured. He's got an ankle injury and there's no timetable for his return. So the Chargers need somebody to step the fuck up on that running core. And clearly they're not doing it. No, Kelly had a bad game. You know, so it, the stat lines are great. And sure, with with that kind of offense, you're going to pull off some wins, but you're going to become very one dimensional very quickly. And it's going to become very easy for you know, opposing defenses to scheme against you and figure out what to do because, hey, you don't really have a run game, you know, so we're going to just we're just going to drop coverage and, and beat you, have you beat us over the top. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting situation they have, but the Chargers, like I say, should be playing a lot better. And with Minnesota, I mean, there really isn't a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. There's really not. No, I mean, this is going to be – I hate saying it's a make-or-break game, but they have Carolina this week. Mm-hmm. If they don't pull this off this week – it's done. I'd start. Yeah. I'd start selling the you know whatever value you can get. Right. You know, be a sell. Don't be a buy. Right. And the other thing to keep an eye out on for the Los Angeles Chargers is their secondary having issues because uh, won't get into the whole thing, but uh, their their cornerback they signed from the Patriots either this season, last season, whatever it was, J.C. Jackson uh, going through some legal issues right now. Mm. So that could be an issue for that team for, for what was supposed to be one of their starting uh, secondary guys going forward. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned though, with the schedules, uh, looking at the Los Angeles Chargers this upcoming week, they are uh, at home playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Then they're on a bye week in week five, and they come back in week six on Monday Night Football at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Then week seven doesn't get any easier for them. They go on the road to play Kansas City. Uh, And then for the uh, Minnesota Vikings, as you alluded to, they are on the road playing the Carolina Panthers this upcoming Sunday. Then they go back home the following week to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Week six, they're on the road playing the Chicago Bears. And then uh, week seven there is Monday Night Football at home against the San Francisco 49ers. That could be an ugly game. Yeah, for a whole host of reasons. Yeah. Well, like I say, both teams have a lot of work to do in the future, so we'll kind of have to see how that plays out. Mm Mm-hmm. One team, though, that we thought was going to have to do a lot of work, but surprisingly snuck one out in one of the most controversial fashions, mm-hmm. the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Let's talk about it, Pat. Yeah, so the Colts won by the final score of 22-19 to 19 in overtime. Uh, Gardner Minshew, uh, 27-44, of 44, 227 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 22 of 31, 202 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Lamar Jackson led Baltimore in rushing because, of course, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and then on the Indianapolis side, Zach Moss led them in rushing with 30 carries. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, 122 yards rushing, no touchdowns. Michael Pittman Jr. led Indianapolis in receiving with nine catches, 77 yards, no touchdowns. And then also Zay Flowers led Baltimore in receiving with eight catches, 48 yards, no touchdowns. Should also note, uh, got to give a shout out to Matt Gay, the kicker for Indianapolis, five for five. Uh, on the day for f- kicking field goals, I think, every, and if I remember correctly, I have to look this up. Every single one of those was like fifty plus, mm-hmm. it was, or something absurd. It's something crazy, something absurd. It's like some NFL record he set on Sunday, and, and hey, it's a re- kicking record Justin Tucker doesn't own. Kind of surprising. It is wild, but to really break this team down, the Colts 
like we said, the most boring team in football. Also, hey, shout out Minshew Mania for pulling a Dan Orlovsky and running out the back of the end zone. Yeah, but... I'm sure Orlovsky feels vindicated on that one. I would say so because I believe Orlovsky at least threw a touchdown or, or a, 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 a completion out of that. Uh, Minshew, like I say, is stepping in for Richardson, who is out on injury with a concussion. Uh-huh. So this was going to be an interesting task for him. And surprisingly, the Colts hung in there uh-huh. and really scrapped with the Ravens, who I legit thought was going to run away with this one. Right. The Colts, like we said, very boring team. Uh-huh. You know they're going to run a lot. They're not going to beat you in the air right. by any which way, shape, or form. Much like the Baltimore Ravens to a degree, except Zay Flowers, I was surprised that the stat line was that low, to be honest with you. Yeah. Eight catches, 48 yards. I thought he'd have a bigger day. Right. But he didn't. Lamar Jackson put a lot on his shoulders, which, listen, if you have a quarterback of his caliber, and especially with the running skills he does, why not? Well, clearly the the Ravens, I think, were looking at the Indianapolis's run defense and going, yeah, we're not scared of that. Because total between all the guys who got at least an attempt or a carry on rushing – 37 uh, carries for Baltimore with 31 pass attempts. Yeah. So clearly the Ravens were not scared of Indianapolis' run defense. Not at all. So to see how this all kind of factored out, it was really surprising it went to overtime. Yeah. I mean, granted, uh, a very questionable call or lack thereof Yeah. at the end. So. Yeah, yeah. But you never like much of like the UFC, you don't want to leave in the hands of the judges. And yeah, this is true. And Baltimore is a way better team. They should have been in – imposing their will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going full UFC talk here. They should have been imposing their will on the Colts, and they didn't, and they let them get back in this. And like I say, when you have a kicker that's as hot as the Colts was, oh, yeah. I mean, you can't give them that opportunity. Well, like we said, five for five, all from 50-plus, and oh, by the way, he nailed an extra point, so the dude was six for six and kicking on the day. Yeah. so Crazy. Great stat line for them, and you yeah. know, a very solid win in a division that – you know, a lot of people said Jacksonville was going to run away with. It's going to be a lot of people picking up Matt Gay in fantasy this week. Oh, absolutely. Uh, looking at their schedules for the Indianapolis Colts uh, this upcoming Sunday, they are at home against the Los Angeles Rams. Then they are at home the following week against the Tennessee Titans. They go on the road uh, the following week to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is in week six. And then week seven, they are back at home against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, looking at it to the Baltimore Ravens the, this upcoming Sunday, they are on the road playing the Cleveland Browns. Then the following week, they're on their own playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the week after that, they are technically at home against the Tennessee Titans. However, that is one of the games over in London, so asterisk that home game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the following week, no rest for the weary because they come back home stateside and they play the Detroit Lions on uh, week seven. That'll be a really fun game. Oh, yeah. Well. I'm, I'm excited for that one. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Baltimore goes uh, back from this one. I mean, Cleveland is no joke. No. Even without the Nick Chubb in the lineup, they're still going to scrap with them, and then they got Pittsburgh right after, too. Pittsburgh's so, looking real good. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, that whole AFC North is a tough matchup, so yeah, it it'll be no easy task for them. Yeah. Speaking of that AFC North, let's talk about it. God damn these mother know waters. <laughs> say, it, say, it, say what you mean, Pat, because you know what? Somehow, someway, those Cincinnati Bengals showed up and snuck one on – the Los Angeles Rams. Goddamn Mixon and McPherson sunk me in a fantasy game this week because I put up like 122 some odd points in fantasy this week, mm-hmm. and I needed Mixon and McPherson to not do anything super stellar, and I still ended up losing by like one or two points. 
because Mixon and McPherson put up stellar fucking games. Let's talk about it. Uh, so the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Los Angeles Rams on one of the two Monday Night Football games by a final score of 19-16. to 16. Uh, Joe Burrow, 26-49 for 259 yards passing. No touchdowns, just one interception. Matthew Stafford, 18-33 for 269 yards passing. One touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Kyron Williams led Los Angeles in rushing with 10 carries, 38 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Joe Mixon led Cincinnati in rushing with 19 carries, 65 five yards and one touchdown. Uh, Jamar Chase led Cincinnati in receiving with 12 catches, 141 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, And then Puka Nakua led Los Angeles in receiving with five catches, 72 yards, no touchdowns. And since I brought it up, Evan McPherson went four for five on field goal and one for one on extra points. God damn it. You know, I was was very shocked at this one. I thought the Rams were going to run away with this. I did too. You know, especially with you know, Cincinnati kind of trying to figure things out. They were 0-2 coming into this. You know, the Rams were 1-1, one and one, you know, and, and just with the way the Rams had played last week, I figured, you know what, I could see the Rams winning this. Well, the biggest question mark was Joe Burrow. And, yeah. And was he going to play or not? I know they signed A.J. McPherson, um, yep. or McCarron, I should say, rather, Yeah. off uh, the XFL, Yeah. which I, I, I completely forgot he was there. Yeah to be on the depth chart. And we were really not sure until game day what was going to happen with Burrow. He did play, obviously, and, yeah. and put up a, a, a decent stat line with all things considered. Yeah, I mean, 259 is not a bad yardage. Uh, could have used a couple touchdowns. No, 50 attempts, though. That does worry Ooh. me a little bit. Yeah. that's That was the only thing that really yeah. scared me, especially with him having a bad leg. You're asking a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if you have the best wide receiver core in the league, and he does – it does take some worry away, but this is your franchise guy. Mm-hmm. If he goes down, you don't have a great plan B. So you really need to be careful about this. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he did very, very well under the circumstance. But mm-hmm. with Aaron Donald and that Rams defense, they still are pressuring. They still were making some hits. Yeah, And that's one thing that I was a little worried about with them, Yeah, to be honest. But yeah. At the end of the day, like I said, Cincinnati snuck one away and really held on, and especially, too, they were in a very bad position late in the game, too. I know Nakua caught that ball super late right right down to the goal line, and it was a situation like I thought they should have done a little more play, like interesting play callings instead of what they did. But you can't take anything away from the Bengals. They are for real, but like I say – I want to see what happens with Burrow moving forward. Right. Because if he's got to throw 50 times a game, that's not that, ideal. That worries me. Not ideal. And I mean, you look at the Rams, it's just stat, they're going to be relying on their defense a lot this season because, I mean, listen, the running game is nothing special. 13 carries total. You know, I mentioned Kyron Williams, but also you had two, two, well, one carry, 22 yards, no touchdowns. Stafford had one carry, seven yards, no touchdowns. And Van Jefferson had one carry, four yards, no touchdowns. So total, it was 13 carries for 71 yards and no touchdowns. So clearly the run game ain't fearing anybody. Right. You know, and, and and this was just a case of Stafford couldn't get anything going on the passing game. You know, 18 for 33, one touchdown. You know, so you had uh, Puka had five catches. Higby had five catches. Tutu Atwell had four. Van Jefferson had one. Kyron Williams had two. And Ben uh, Skronik. S-K-O-W-R-O-N-E-K had one. Like, this receiving core is not scaring me at all. No, I mean, other than Nakua, there isn't any threat there until Cooper Cup comes back. Right. Then that's going to be a very nasty one-two. Yeah. But teams are going to start game-playing for Puka, and that's going to be something that Stafford and company are going to have to adjust to. Mm -hmm. Right now, 
Yeah, he did put up five catches for 72, but remember, the long one was in the fourth quarter. Right. I believe that was the one that was 37 yards. Something like that, yeah. So they were shutting him down, but he needs another weapon somewhere there to take some pressure off him. The Rams really need to focus on that because mm-hmm. much like we were saying about the Chargers, mm-hmm. people are knowing that Stafford's going to be throwing. They don't have a great run game. Yeah. And that's going to be something that's going to be giving them problems moving forward. Yep. Uh, Looking at the schedules for the Los Angeles Rams this upcoming Sunday, they're on the road playing the Indianapolis Colts. Then they are at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Week six, they're at home against the Arizona Cardinals. And then week seven, they're at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Then for the Cincinnati Bengals this upcoming Sunday, they're on the road playing the Tennessee Titans. Then they're on the road again week five against the Arizona Cardinals. Back at home week six again uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, and then they have a bye week in week seven. A lot of interesting games moving forward for both teams, and let's see how it goes with Cincinnati because I think the Rams are going to have a tougher task to get to the playoffs. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Pad, that all said, let's take a quick trip around the league. Yeah, so you had the Cleveland Browns defeat the Tennessee Titans by the final score of 27-3. to Well, good bounce-back game for Cleveland. Good Lord. You know, we said earlier with Nick Chubb out of the lineup, we weren't sure what to expect. And sure enough, that defense of Cleveland really stepped up, put a lot of pressure on, and... You know, Deshaun Watson didn't look the worst. No, uh, 27 to 33, 289 and 2. Yeah, it's so not bad. it's not a bad stat line, and they they really had a good bounce back game, so I like this win for him. Did, did the offensive line for Tennessee even exist? Five sacks? Yeah. Or, or did they do like the Adam Sandler longest yard movie and they just kind of like stand up and let him through? You have to wonder. I mean, Garrett was having his way with him. Oh, that was the scariest thing Jesus. about that game. If you watched it, it was like he was just dominating them. Uh, you had the Detroit Lions beat the Atlanta Falcons by the final score of 20-6. to six. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta took a big L. Yeah, they did. And Jared Goff looked great. Like With all things considered, with the injuries that Detroit's defense has suffered, mm-hmm. they really stepped up, and they're very exciting to watch on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. So the defense really held in check the Falcons, which a lot of people have been surprised with this season take nothing away from these, those early games, but I think this was a real test for him. And especially seeing B. John Robinson shut down to 33 yards. Whoa. Once they did that, yeah, I thought that Atlanta might be in trouble, and sure enough, they were. So yeah. this will be interesting to watch to see how they bounce back moving forward. Yeah, And I did hear Kyle Pitts might, rumors has it, Dallas bound. Hmm. Hearing some rumors, rumors only. So, Cowboys fans, let me know what you feel about that. That could be interesting. Uh, you had the Green Bay Packers defeat the New Orleans Saints by the final score of 18-7. to I guess all they needed was love. <laughs> because Jordan Love, look, has been a surprise. Am I saying we're talking the next Aaron Rodgers? No. Right. But he's looked good in the moments he's needed to step up with. I mean, sure, he didn't go undefeated here thus far, Uh but he's really showed me a lot of composure. Right. And for the team that really needs something to bounce back with, and I think that Green Bay might be one that's flying under the radars for a lot of people, this is a good game. I will say, though, Derek Carr was injured in this one. Right. uh, Went down with a sprained AC joint. He is listed as, like, day-to-day. Right. So that does play a factor in this, but take nothing away. It was a good win for Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we got to mention that the uh, Houston Texans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars by the final score of 37-17. to 
Well, this was a game. Yeah, it was a game. Hey, one team had to win. One team had to lose. They did. Yeah, we'll say... Stroud had a good game, 280 and 2. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. All kidding aside, Houston took it to a division rival. Yeah. Uh, Surprisingly, Jacksonville really did not have any intensity for this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it at halftime with 17 nothing. Yeah. And I don't know if Jacksonville just took them. That's the only thing I could think of. Albeit, though, we do have one stat line. Yeah. Christian Kirk. Okay. Four catches, 54 yards, one touchdown. Eh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, you had the Seattle Seahawks beat the Carolina Panthers by a final score of 37-27. to 27. Well, this game was a lot more high scoring than I thought it should have been. <laughs> You're not wrong. To say the least. You're not wrong. But Seattle, you know, solid win. And the Panthers, I mean, what can you say, really? Uh, work on everything. Yeah, even though Andy Dalton. Yeah. We have to give him his credit. Yeah. You know, I do have a special place in my heart for him. Throwing for almost 60 times, though. Yeah. Yikes. That was the problem right there. Yikes. That was the big problem. Uh, 34 or 58. Yikes. And then, like I said, uh, Carolina, work on everything because you gave up off 146 yards rushing and 296 yards receiving. Yeah. Oof. There, there's a lot of oof involved. Jeez. A lot. Uh, you had the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Chicago Bears by a final score of 41 to 10 in the one of the most watched games of the week. Uh, if I read the ratings correctly, it was like 23.4 million people watched this damn game. Well, let's be honest. It was the Swifties. It was the Swifties. It was the Swifties. Uh, Travis Kelsey uh, merchandise sales, according to Fanatics, up 400%. Yeah. <laughs> big win for Kansas City. Big win for Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. uh, merchandise and social media following. Shout out to the matchmaker, uh, Andy Reid. Yes. Yes, as he took credit for. Um, you know, what can you say? Let's, let's talk about the game. Uh, the Bears are bad. Bears are very bad. Bears are very, very bad. Uh, Kansas City, we knew it was going to be tough at home. And obviously, they made a statement win with this. Yeah, they did. And then obviously, social media ran crazy with the, arguably the biggest pop star on the planet in the in the house. Yeah, and she you know was being a real fan too. I, I liked seeing oh, yeah. that. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't anything manufactured. I mean, dropping an f bomb in the in the owner's box. Yes, well, it, it was Kelsey's suite. Yes, it was Travis's suite, and she was sitting next to his mom. Yeah. yeah. So only thing of concern I'd say for the Kansas City Chiefs is there's if there's one thing we are like mm, concern on. Uh, at one point, Mahomes' ankle was rolled on. Yes. That, so that is, I don't know if it was the same one he had injured last season. I believe so. So that's something to look out for. Yeah, but big win for the Chiefs. Bears, ugh. Sorry. Man, I... I mean, listen, the, I agree with what the Chicago Tribune gave the letter grade for their, everything on the team. F. Yeah. Uh, you had the Arizona Cardinals defeat the Dallas Cowboys by a final score of 28-16. to 16. Ugh. Well, yeah, they got like I said earlier, they got caught looking. They got caught looking. They they took this team way too lightly. Dak throwing a very very bad interception in the end zone late, which is wild. They got caught looking because they're playing the Patriots next week. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I mean, let's face it: the Cardinals on paper are the worst team in football. <laughs> they're awful. We've we talked about this at length, but you still have to go out there and impose your will. Uh huh. Dallas did not. Dallas literally took the foot off the gas. Yeah, they did. So you got what you got. Uh, and then you had the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Las Vegas Raiders by the final score of 23-18. to 18. Brutal game. Oof. Brutal one. I was uh, like, why don't we start in the countdown timer for McDaniels to leave uh, the Raiders? Uh, I would say very, very soon. Week 10 should be interesting. I don't wish it on anybody, and I certainly don't want anyone to lose their job. But when you look at the job he has done with the Raiders thus far, well, a lot to be desired. 
Very much so. I think the experiment is not working. Devontae Adams is very vocal about that. Devontae Adams has got to be losing his mind. Yeah, there's a lot of real concern with this team. Uh-huh. Um, it's not pretty. No, um, no. I think the McDaniels experiment is over. I, I don't know exactly who you get in as a new head coach, but I think that the Raiders really need to f- reset everything. And I fully believe that McDaniels is gone at the end of the season unless they do some dramatic running of the table. But when you're struggling this bad on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, especially to a Steeler team that, let's be honest, is not the Steeler team of old, Right. It, this is a problem. This is very, very much concerning. Say, what's Jeff Saturday doing these days? No, I'm kidding. Oh. Uh, no, if, I mean, if you want, I'm looking at their, their coaching staff. Um, if you want to go the interim, Side of things, uh, their offensive coordinator is Mike Lombardi, who's got 13 years of experience in the NFL, and their defensive coordinator is Patrick Graham, who's got 15 years of experience. So might be good for an interim thing if you end up going that way before you can find somebody. But, hey, don't forget, Jeff Saturday is available. I, You know, to be honest with you, I'm just trying to even think who could come in there and really fix that right now. And there really isn't like a – Lovey Smith maybe. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's going to be a very – Jeff Fisher? Yeah, maybe Jeff Fisher. I mean, to be honest with you, it's Fisher, like... Fisher, Fisher's available, far as I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think, like, because somebody is going to have to come in there and really rebuild. Right. And it won't be Rex Ryan. No, God, no. No. Not Sexy Rexy. No. Uh, and then the other of the Monday night games we got to mention, and yes, I'm deliberately skipping one, I'm leaving it for last, uh, was the Philadelphia Eagles defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 25-11. to 11. Philly doing Philly things. Yeah, they're looking real good. Uh, they got their own Kelsey Swift connection. Yes, they do. Then we got to get to uh, our team's games. Yes. So we will start with yours, Pat. Yeah, sure. So uh, my New England Patriots defeated the New York Jets by the final score of 15-10. to 10. Hey, we didn't give up a double-digit lead in the first fucking half. Right. Uh, went into the halftime. It was 10-3. Uh, to 3. Uh, You look at the stats, though. Mac Jones, 15 of 29 for 201 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Zach Wilson, 18 of 36 for 157 yards passing. No touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott led the Patriots in rushing with 16 carries, 80 yards, no touchdowns. Dalvin Cook led the Jets in rushing with eight carries, 18 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Pharaoh Brown led the Patriots in receiving with two catches, 71 yards, one touchdown. And then Garrett Wilson led the Jets in receiving with five catches, 48 yards, and no touchdowns. Jets are in trouble. Big yeah, trouble. Yeah, they are uh, in so much trouble that even Joe Namath is ready to be done with uh, Zach Wilson. So got a couple things for you here. It was such a bad start for the Jets that uh, I, I found, saw a screen grab uh, from the broadcast. And the, fir- the first five possessions of the Jets, uh, three plays, negative five yards, and then punt. Uh, the second one went six plays, five yards, and punt. Then they went three yards, six plays, or three plays, six yards, punt. Then they went three plays minus 12 yards punt. Uh, and then they went three plays, seven yards punt. They did not make it past the 50-yard line and into Patriots territory until almost halftime. Yeah. Uh, so the entire first half, they had 39 yards of total offense from the Jets. And then you got to give some credit, I think, to uh, Patriots rookie Christian Gonzalez because you look at his stats the first three games, okay, against A.J. Brown in his first career NFL game. 
Uh, he gave up seven catches for 71 yards. He got one sack, and he had seven tackles. And against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle last week, he gave up three catches, 32 yards. He had one interception and six tackles. And then against Garrett Wilson this week, he gave up two catches, five yards, and had three tackles. Uh, the, the big stat, though, and it might be time for the Jets to move on. Uh, so Zach Wilson so far in three seasons. 24 starts, 17 touchdowns, 22 interceptions. He has a completion percentage of 55.1% and a quarterback rating of 69.6%. Uh, quarterback rating of 69.6. Com- comparable to Jamarcus Russell. E. 25 starts in three seasons, 18 touchdowns, 23 interceptions, a completion percentage of 52.1%, and a quarterback rating of 65.2. Yikes. Jets got to move him. Jets, it, it's so bad that even Joe Namath is ready to be done with him because uh, as we record, uh, he, he appeared on the Michael K show on ESPN New York yesterday uh, and basically ripped the Jets a new one. Uh, they asked him if he took anything positive out of it, and he said, quote, I didn't take anything positive out of it. It was awful. Uh, I'm reading from an article on NBCSports.com. Uh, it goes on to say, Namath was particularly irked by Wilson's decision to sit down for a sack. Quote, you sit down? You sit down on a play? You go right down? What happened? I thought you were trying You're trying to win and make plays. You quit on a play? What is going on? It's disgusting. Close quote. Uh, then he went on to say, quote, these guys aren't picking the right players. They aren't doing a good job of coaching. It's evident. I mean, you've got to look and see. If you have an eye for football at all thing, at all you see, uh, at all you see things are haywire. It's too crazy. They need to fix it, and that's getting rid of a lot of people and bringing new ones in. They need to make major changes from top to bottom, close quote. I fully agree. I think at this stage, your defense is now getting very frustrated because they're getting gassed out. Mm-hmm. And your offense, listen, there's no nice way to put it. You need to go out. You need to get somebody in their ASAP. Uh-huh. And if you have to go call Minnesota, what can we do to get Kirk Cousins? Right. Just put it out there. Like, what do you want that we can do right now? Mm-hmm. See what they say. Right. Otherwise, unfortunately, the season is going to be forgotten, and uh-huh. it's going to be a mess. And then, I mean, I, I I expect big changes for the Jets moving forward. Oh, yeah. Just because you see the disconnect, and it's building. It's mm-hmm. not getting better. I mean, you can't, and, and I realize their head coach, Salah, there is saying, like, oh, there's no disconnect. We're all connected. Like, no, I don't think anybody's buying that line of you-know-what. Well, he doesn't want to cause a problem in the locker room. I, under, I understand that aspect, sure, but sure. At, the, at the same time, like, we all know what's going on. We see it there when your players are on social media, you know, making noise and not for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. So you really have to have – Somebody in that locker room, we mentioned this before, have a yeah. players only meeting and and, yeah. and get everything back on track. Otherwise, yeah. you guys start making some moves and just yes, start pulling, start putting calls out to teams and saying, "Hey, what do you want?" Mm-hmm. If they have anything available to trade, yeah, that's the only thing you're going to need to do. Yeah, but on the flip side, Patriots finally got a win, good win, step in the right direction. I would say, mm-hmm. you know, good performance from Mac, all things considered, you know. We'll see where it goes next week because, like, uh, like we mentioned earlier, they're playing Dallas next week, so that won't be entirely easy, but you never know. No, it'll be a good game. Yeah. And like I say, we'll really see what the Patriots are up to. Yeah. Uh, for me, the Bills, 37-3 over the Commanders. Bum, 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 bum. The story of this game was not really Josh Allen. This was the defense. Oof. Nine sacks, Oof. four interceptions. Oof. Terrell Bernard. 
Uh, I know a lot of people might not know him outside the Buffalo area, but he is the one that is replacing Tremont Edmonds. Ah. Stepped up and had some really good games here lately. So very excited to see what he's doing moving forward with the team. And we really have to kind of say, okay, we know what's in front of us for next week. Mm-hmm. We're not going to lie about this. This is Miami. Oh, boy. Miami is coming off one of the most historic wins in NFL history. We'll get to that in a minute. But for the Bills, if the defense can play as well as they did during this game, and I'm not saying – I'm hear me out. I'm not saying they're going to get 9-4. and four. Sure. But if they can slow down the Miami offense, mm-hmm. they have a very, very realistic chance of winning this game. Mm-hmm. If they don't and they can't stop the running attack, it's going to be a long day in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So the Bills have their work cut out for them. Yeah. And it's not an overcomable game here, but they really need to play their best football they've done to date. They do, and, and they really need to drag the clock out, stay in bounds, mm-hmm. work the play clock down to its last second, really like take away every possible second the Dolphins' offense can have because if you give them any ounce of of a second, they'll torch you. And the big thing is James Cook needs to get 100 yards. He got 98 in this one, 98. so it's close, it close. But still, but he needs yeah. to have a big game. Yeah. And then let's talk about to wrap this week up. Miami, 70, Denver, 20. Jesus Christ, the worst ass whooping the state of Colorado had seen in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like Ken mentioned, uh, Dolphins won 70 to 20. They were, I believe, two points shy of the all-time record for points scored in a game, but they elected to not go for it. Uh, you had Tua Tagovailoa, 23 of 36, 309 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions, a quarterback rating of 155.8, so just a few points shy of perfect. Russell Wilson, 23 of 38 for 306 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Javante Williams led Denver in rushing, 11 carries, 42 yards, no touchdowns. Devon Devon, uh, Akane uh, led Miami in rushing with 18 carries, 203 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Uh, Raheem Moster also had 13 carries for 82 yards and three touchdowns. So while uh, Tua had four touchdowns, the running backs for Miami had the other five. Mm -hmm. Uh, For Denver, Cortland Sutton led in receiving with eight catches, 91 yards, one touchdown. Tyree Kill, nine catches, 157 yards, one touchdown. Uh, So, yeah, this was like a fucking video game. Yeah, this is a video game. I mean, that's the easiest way to describe it. Miami had their way mm-hmm. with Denver. If they wanted to run the ball, they did. If they wanted to pass, they did. This was just a straight-up domination. This, this was an ass-whooping. Yeah, there's no easy way to put it. Uh, in my opinion, I think that the Denver Broncos are completely mailing it in on Sean Payton. I don't know why. They're, the the team's spirit is broken because I forget the player's name, but there was that gentleman on one of their linemen. One of their linemen who, after the game, you could tell that his spirit was broken, that he's like, listen, I've been here for seven years and all I've done is lose. And right, he, and he's tired of it. Well, you have to think about it. You brought in Sean Payton, legendary quarter coach, right? You know, with a pedigree that really says we're going to turn everything around. You have Russell Wilson, who's right. supposed to be comparable at this stage, but Pete Carroll's looking like a genius for moving him. Uh huh. So you would think that this team would show some kind of light, mm-hmm. and yet there was nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing yeah. here. Yeah, and that's the biggest takeaway is Denver, I'm sorry, it looked like they mailed him in, in my opinion. I mean, I have to wonder if Tua wasn't a little motivated. He's going to say he wasn't, if you ask him this, but I can't help but wonder if he was behind the scenes a little motivated because of what Sean Payton had said last season, uh, or previously about Tua, that like he'd very soon be benched and replaced for Tom Brady. Oh, I'm sure. And then he went in there and hung a 70-piece on him. 
I'm sure that there was a little bit of motivation in there. And I think it was to send a message to the rest of the league that Miami is for real. Uh-huh. And I think that now you have Mostert and Achen really going in and establishing <coughs> a run game. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary one-two punch to complement Tyree Kill. And when Waddle gets back healthy. Yeah. The biggest question is to his quarterback play. And, and so far this season, he's looked great. Mm-hmm. I'll give the devil his due. He's looked great. He looks motivated. He looks healthy. I like seeing this as, you know, somebody that was really hoping he's healthy after last season. Uh-huh. So it's going to be a big challenge for them this week in Buffalo. This is, I mean, honestly, I think if the, the powers of B could have flexed this game, this would be on Sunday night, right. to be honest with you. You would, you would think, although it's a little early. I think it's too early. For it is too early. Yeah. But I think that this season, this is going to be a game that everybody's going to be talking about. And Miami, I don't know how they're going to do it against Buffalo. It's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge. Like I say, I'm not saying as – I'm taking my fandom out of this. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a very tough game for both teams. Right. And I don't know how it's going to go. That's it's going to be one of the more interesting matchups they've had over their storied uh, rivalry. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, uh, playing next week are the two worst teams you had in the NFL this week: the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears. Well, uh, one o'clock uh, in Chicago. If you are willingly watching this game on television, why do you hate yourself? Yeah, why, just why? This is going to be bad. I, I heard uh, I heard rumors uh, that uh, you could buy tickets for as cheap as two bucks right now. I would allegedly wouldn't doubt it. Oh, man. A lot of headlines coming out of this week's NFL actions. Definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from week three of the NFL? Let's talk about it. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week, we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and wow, it's been a week in the land of WWE. Holy shit, yeah. We have a lot to recap, and some stories are breaking this morning as we're about mm-hmm. ready to plan out the show, so let's get into the week that was in World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah, so obviously the big news that went down this past week uh, as we record was the sudden releases that took place uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Thursday to be specifically. Uh, and I'm going to read through the list here. Uh, this is from the list as I have it from the Squared Circle subreddit over at reddit.com slash r slash Squared Circle. So if there's anybody I missed on here, apologies. Uh, but the list is as follows. <clears throat> uh, Ulyssa Leone, Dana Brooke, Quincy Elliott, Quincy Miller, Mace, Mansoor, Shanky, Bryson Mantana, Dabakato, uh, and then those were all from NXT. So the, the following uh, here are from the main roster. Dolph Ziggler, Shelton Benjamin, Top Dalla, Riddick Moss, Elias, Aaliyah, Rick Boogs, Emma, and Mustafa Ali. Well, we had to think when Endeavor came in, they were going to make some swift changes. Uh-huh. Not super shocked by this. Uh-huh. Albeit, though, I hear there was a little miscommunication if you will that mm-hmm. some people thought they weren't going to be doing any layoffs but let's face it this is a company taking over they're restructuring everything and they're really taking a look at the books 
And some of these uh, releases, not really that super shocking. There's a lot of them that I was like, I can't remember the last time I saw them on TV. Right. And I know some people are, are bringing that up like, oh, this is horrible. People are losing their jobs. And it is. It's, it sucks when anyone Absolutely. loses their job and it's terrible for them. But I mean, I pulled some of the names. I pulled up the names here I could via profightdb.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had Lu- Ulyssa Leone, whose last television match was on the 1st of August. Uh, then was on Great American Bash at the end of July. So a little bit since they've been on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had uh, Dana Brooke, who's been on uh, NXT the last couple of weeks. Last was on TV September 12th, 2023. Uh, but the thing I think with her is just, listen, she's been on the roster for like 10 years yeah. or something or something now. Like you haven't seen her get better. She hasn't gotten worse. It's been kind of stacked well. And they've made it very clear in the past. Obviously, that was, this was the old regime. But I think even under the new regime, not much has changed. Like unless they're seeing the progression they want to see from you, you might be shown the door. Well, I mean, it, it's a sad thing, yeah, like I say, because, you know, I, I think that Dana was one that got called up to the main roster too soon. Yeah, I agree. And I think that really hampered her progression in the company, uh-huh. in my opinion. Yeah. So, and this one, like I said, she was coming back down to NXT and she was really you know, trying to make strides, but it just, it wasn't clicking. Yeah. Uh, Quincy Elliott was last seen on television for, era uh, for NXT level up. Uh, that was in July 18th uh, of this year. So it's been a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not counting house shows here. Right. Uh, this, right. Right. This is just televised stuff. Yeah. Let's talk TV. Uh, and then for Massey hasn't been on television since an episode of Monday night raw on May 15th, 2023. Uh, the same can be said for his, uh, partner, tag team partner there, uh, Mansoor, uh, May 15th, 2023. Shelton Benjamin, or not, excuse me, Shanky, I should say, uh, has not been seen on television television since the July 22nd, 2022 episode of Friday Night SmackDown. Mm-hmm. I get he was on Superstar Spectacle, and he's listed there having faced Gunther for the IC title, but that wasn't televised. Right. Uh, last TV appearance was in July. Uh, Bryson uh, Mantana has not been on television since a June 6th, 2023 episode of NXT Level Up. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have Dabakato, who was on TV. TV as late as uh, September 5th uh, for NXT, uh, where he faced Tyler Bate. Uh, Dolph Ziggler is obviously the surprising one, uh, although he hasn't been on TV since May 29th, 2023. Mm-hmm. You know, what this is, what the reason is, I, you know, I don't know. I kind of lean towards what I know you and Rich were talking about on 6072 WS this week is, listen, they're looking to clear the books. They're looking to create a little cap room. Uh, if you if you will, and Dolph was reportedly making a lot of money. Well, the thing is, Dolph had been there for a while, quite some time. He's got matches uh, listed here on ProfiteDB.com as far back as 2004. Well, you think about it, his time in the Spirit Squad, and yeah. then when he was repackaged as Dolph Ziggler, and yeah, you know, he's had a great career with WWE. Yeah. He's, he's always you know been somebody that's gone out there and really put on a hell of a match every time he's been in the ring. Uh huh. But at this stage in the game, I think that he wasn't being used on TV. The character no. probably, you know, could have used a refresh maybe. but I, I, I think so, yeah. But it, it's needed a refresh for a couple of years because, I, I mean, honestly, the last memorable thing I can remember him doing was where he disappeared from a month, from, from the product for a month, like didn't appear on anything. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he was doing house shows. And then he appeared at the number 30 spot of the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago. Like 2018, 2019, whatever it was. And then was, everyone was like, oh my God. And then he won, I forget if it was the US or IC title, but he won one of the mid card titles and then gave it up a month later. Well, that's the thing. He's always been somebody that they could rely on to go into a program with somebody. 
Right, he, that he wanted to elevate. Right, and and he's good for making new call, for new call ups look good and selling the for the people who don't know them. But you know, I think it's just a case of like, listen, times are changing. Oh yeah, absolutely, and especially he's been doing other pursuits. We know his comedy career is something mm-hmm. that's been something as of late that's really kind of started yeah. picking up steam. Yeah. So I'm not super shocked by it. I know it just kind of seemed like he's always been was going to be somebody that was there forever, and yeah. just. You know, it goes back to Endeavor just really looking at the books and saying, what have you done for us lately? Yeah. Uh, Then you have uh, Shelton Benjamin, who was on a main event taping uh, for WWE. That was on September 11th, 2023. This one surprised me almost as much as uh, the Dolph Ziggler one, just because this this was a guy much in the same vein of like, Dolph Ziggler, he was a reliable veteran. You know, you could rely on him if something happened. And let's just say somebody got injured. No, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, we need an 11th hour plug. And hey, Shelton, we need you out there. You know, you could always count on him. So that one was very surprising to me. Absolutely surprising to me too. And I will say what same thing I said in 607 TWS this week. AEW would be absolutely foolish not to sign him immediately. He's he's not going to make it past because all of these contracts do have the 90-day no-compete clauses. So with it happening on the 21st of September, that will theoretically take them to the end of December, uh, which I can't imagine anyone's going to sign, you know, the week of Christmas. No, I think New Year's Eve. So, so or New, New Year's Day, rather, New, I'm sorry. New Year's Day, I'm expecting him to sign very quickly. Absolutely. Uh, Top Dollar was last seen on television on August 11th uh, on an episode of SmackDown. He he he'd done some house shows. Was on a, a Saturday night main event live show. Was on a couple and then Sunday Stunner, but hadn't been seen wrestled the match on television since August 11th. I mean, listen, I kind of lean with Rich on this one for again from 607 TWS. You know, it's kind of not going to go anywhere when Michael Cole starts making fun of you weekly. Yeah. A uh, very embarrassing match that he never got over when he was brought back on the main roster with Hit Row. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it wasn't going to work in his favor moving forward. So I, I could see him going around the indies or doing something completely different. To yeah, be honest I could with see it. it. Uh, then you had Madcap Moss, who's been uh, on main event tapings uh, from the last couple of weeks, but hasn't been seen on an episode of Monday Night Raw since May 15th, 2023. Okay. I'm going to say something here, and I'm putting this out in the world here. Okay. I fully expect to see Madcap Moss in an indie faction with Matt Cardona before it's all said and done. Didn't Cardona throw out some sort of uh-huh. like open invitation for like anybody who wants to join him? And you know what? Yeah. The more I was thinking about it, I'm like, that's perfect yeah, for him. He'll probably do it. He'll probably join Cardona. I- could I see him going Impact or like NWA oh, sure. or New Japan or ROH or AW? I, I absolutely could. But I, I lean more heavily percentage-wise towards him going, you know, the Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. or, or the uh, Matt Cardona route and just being that indie darling. Oh, absolutely. I think that in his case, I could legitimately see him going to Impact uh-huh. and he'd be great there. I think he's got a lot of talent. I just think for character-wise – no matter what they've tried doing with him, it just hasn't worked. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that he was once in that tag team with um, uh, Mandy Rose's fiance. I'm blanking on his oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, and like I say, I thought that that had potential, but it just didn't pan out. And then when he got called up to the main roster, he you could definitely tell he was a Vince right. character because the madcap thing was – a, yeah. a complete Vince thing. Yeah. Yeah. So after, you know, Vince left and Triple H came back in, it's tough to say like they did try repackaging him a little bit, but 
it's a situation in in that circumstance. Like I think the time away is going to help him, as mm-hmm. weird as that sounds. Mm-hmm. But I could fully see him going with Cardona and building his name up through there until he finds yeah. a new gimmick to go with. Yeah. Uh, Elias has not been seen on television or on house shows uh, since an episode of Monday Night Raw in a Battle Royale on May 15th, 2023. This one didn't entirely surprise me just because he disappeared off the face of the earth mm-hmm. after that episode of Raw. And I never heard anything about like an injury or some sort of like personal life issue or just any sort of like rumors or hearsay. He just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And never heard it. So this one didn't entirely surprise me. I got to say, though, totally surprised that he confirmed he was uh, Ezekiel or Zeke. I was so waiting for Kevin Owens to say something about that on TV. I was waiting the same thing. Yeah, just like I told you. And just, like he wouldn't have to say what it is, but everybody would know. Mm-hmm. Like I was waiting for that moment. Yeah, his character, I mean, unfortunately, it's tough. Yeah. Because I don't want to say, you know, the. the it was it was great when he was doing the weekly segments where like they were in a city and he was insulting the other yeah. that city. Like obviously the most memorable one for me is when he and Kevin Owens insulted the Seattle Supersonics mm-hmm. in Seattle and got yeah. and got booed out of the Western time zone. Mm-hmm. That was hysterical. If you haven't seen that, look it up. That was when it was great. When, mm-hmm. it, when it was he's going into these cities and insulting their sports teams and whatever else and really getting a rise out of the fans. But other than that, it was just like what are we doing? Well, that's the problem that you run into with a character like that when it's it's so based on like the same old thing that you have to come up with ways to to freshen it up. And I just think that it wasn't doing that. And the, and the whole Ezekiel thing, I don't blame on him. No, I I don't. But it you it there's only like a certain shelf life for that mm-hmm. before it just it gets expired and nobody wants it. Yeah, that's the problem he had there. But I think that him on the indies, I think, could help. I mean, I think if he comes back, maybe not go to the guitar right away. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. That's the only thing I would kind of be leery of if, yeah, I, if I'm him. I'd stay away. Yeah, I'd try finding something different. Jeff Jarrett might get you for gimmick infringement. Yep. Uh, then you have Leah, who has, has not been seen on television or in a house show. Uh, since she lost the Women's Tag Team Championship with uh, Raquel Rodriguez on September 12th, 2022 on Monday Night Raw. If I'm not mistaken, I, th- I believe she was injured. Okay, but, that, that could be. But even when she came up to the main roster... It, it, it was one of the more puzzling call-ups. Well, I think that, yeah, she, she's been putting in a lot of work in NXT, so I, I mean, I give full credit for that. Right. But I just think it's like when you make that transition to the main roster, you have more eyes watching your character, and I think you have to do something to really stand out and make yourself known. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I don't think she did. Uh huh. But it's like I say, it's not necessarily on her per se. I mean, you're given a character, you got to do something with it. You got to get something to make people remember you. Right. And I just feel that, like, for her gimmick when she came up, it just didn't connect that way. No, it, it didn't for me. That's for sure. Uh, and then you have Rick Boogs, who last appeared actually at SummerSlam uh, back on August 5th, 2023. Uh, and then prior to that was last seen on actual television on an episode of Friday Night SmackDown. Uh, and it, well, I don't know. That wasn't even one on television. That was a, that was a dark match. Uh, hold on. Uh, his last television episode was on a taping of Friday Night Smackdown that was taped on May 19th, 2023, where he lost to LA Knight. So if you don't count SummerSlam, uh, his last actual broadcast television uh, match was on uh, May 19th. Well, he's also much in the same vein as as Elias. Right. That you can only do that gimmick so much, it's going to work for so long, and then you have to do something different. And I think whatever he was trying to be uh, the the Muscle Mountain or whatever it was, 
Like, you can tell by the tone of my voice, I just don't even remember it. I mean, it worked for me when he was with Shinsuke Nakamura, and he was introing Shinsuke and and playing guitar, and and even when he was doing a little bit of Freddie Mercury-style, like, getting the crowd going. That, for me, was great. And I even told my girlfriend, who's a massive Queen fan, there's a guy in WWE who's doing the Freddie Mercury bit. And Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, really? And I showed it, and she loved it. But, like, why they didn't, you know, and obviously we know where Shinsuke is now, but, like, you kind of wonder why they didn't decide to pair Shinsuke and him back up together when they reunited. Cause they were split off in separate directions. Once the draft came around, you know, but just, it just never, once he came back, it just never reclicked. I know he's made some comments about this, but I, I fully think that it, yeah. that when Vince was away from creative, like he was, that's a Vince character as mm-hmm. well too. And I just to think, a T. yeah. So I think there's only so much you can do with him there. Yeah. I think I could definitely see him winding up an impact. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think yeah. that's a great landing spot for him and just have him impact or NWA. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of those two brilliant. I, I, I fully agree with you there too. I think yeah. he's got some room there to do something different. And I, I would not doubt seeing him back in the main roster at some point, well, could, yeah, maybe, but it's going to be a while. It'll be a while. Uh, and then you have, uh, Emma, AKA Tanel Dashwood, uh, who has not been seen on television since July 10th of 2023. Yeah. This one, not super shocking. No. Um, for some reason, something's not clicking with the gimmick. I know we talked about this on 607 TWS. Mm-hmm. She's great in the ring, but there's just something about the character, no matter what she's tried doing, that just hasn't worked. Right. So I think if wrestling is still her passion, I think that she should make use of her time away from WWE. Yeah. Reinvent. Yeah. Try some things out. See, yeah. see if you can... Get, can get some buzz going well, and just come up with something new because I know you and Rich brought it up on 607 TWS this week that like the first time she le- or the last time she left WWE and she was doing the indies and doing all this other stuff it was essentially just the same character yeah it was the Emma it was the Emma you know I'm gonna knock you out with you know got the gloves on and the, shades. the shades and you know the badass look mm-hmm. which hey there's nothing wrong with that that's fine but like you know, you kind of want to go out there. You want to reinvent yourself. You want to show them, hey, you made a mistake. I've made improvements, and you really didn't. Yeah, I mean, she did kind of delve a little bit into something different when she was in Impact, and I was right. surprised she didn't carry that with her, like trying to be the social media influencer. Right. I think that might have worked a little better, but I, I, I think that this time around, I think that she'd be really smart to take advantage of that and, and come back. Because like I say, WWE does have a tendency to bring – you know, talent back if they if they think that it's it, there's something there, and there uh-huh. obviously is with her. Uh-huh. It just depends on just connecting with the audience because right yeah. now it just hasn't happened. And lastly, uh, the ones that were announced on this date uh, being September twenty the first twenty first, Mustafa Ali, who had been featured as recently as on NXT September fifth twenty twenty three, and was actually in fact supposed to be on the uh, No Mercy card taking place this Saturday uh, in a matchup that was supposed to be up up against uh, Dominic Mysterio from the North American title, but. Mm, Obviously not in the cards now. This one, I think, is just a case of, you know, listen, it's nothing against the guy. I got nothing against his his work style and his ethic and his ethic, you know, of being in the ring or whatever else. But just I think it's a case of, like, you made one too many waves and it finally the uh, ripples came back to get you. Oh, absolutely. I, I think when you make it public, you want out. You put it on social media. You want out. Multiple times. Uh-huh. Eventually, somebody's going to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in this situation, it happened. But mark my words, he is going to be somebody that is going to be the biggest independent star on the planet Oh yeah, in the next two years, oh, if, yeah. if not sooner. Because what I think he's going to do 
is tear it up on the indies and have dream matches with a speedball Mike Bailey, a right. Leo Rush, right. a Blake Christian, Alex Zane. Like the list goes on and on. And all especially too, all those wrestlers for the most part were reaching out and saying, When are you free? Yeah. So he can generate some buzz. He he's a fantastic talent in the ring. Character wise is always something's missing too. Mm-hmm. And I think he is gonna be somebody that is gonna sit on the indies and soak it up like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And when he comes back, and mark my words, I think he will come back at some point. Or he's going to go to AEW, one of the two things. He's going to be a lot better if he takes the time off, hones a character, and really connects with the audience. Because that's the only thing he's right. been lacking. Yeah, no, I mean, I can see him going the AEW route, but I think he's going to more so go the indie route. Give me him and Speedball Mike Bailey, that'd, like in the worst possible way. That'd be good. Uh, and then the last one we got to mention didn't come with this batch. It came the next day on its own. Uh, and I'm reading from an article on Forbes.com where the article reads, quote, Matt Riddle has been released by WWE as his whirlwind career, both in and out of a WWE ring, uh, has come to a merciful end. Uh, just wanted to inform everyone that I'm no longer with WWE, Riddle wrote in a tweet. Thank you for the memories and opportunities. Also, uh, thank you to all the fans for the support and love you give me every time uh, I go out to the ring. See you all soon. Close quote. Well, this was about the least surprising release of the entire week. Yeah, I think the writing's been on the wall for a while. If you're not familiar, he's uh, had some issues and some things happen uh, behind the scenes. Look it up on your own time. Mm-hmm. We don't have the time and don't want to get into it here. There's a lengthy track record if you want to go down that yes, rabbit hole. Yes, there is. Uh, read it on your own time. Yeah, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, uh, you'll you'll see some stuff. Yeah. Uh, this one definitely didn't surprise, especially with the latest incident that happened at the JFK airport. Yeah. Endeavor is a billion dollar company. They don't like to play games. Uh Uh-huh. And they don't want bad press. And when you're somebody that unfortunately has had some situations like he had, it was a matter of time. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that somebody really took this time to kind of do their own, I, you know, investigation, if you will, Uh and saying, is this worth having this? individual on our roster right and endeavor said no yeah so i i would like to see him though take this time and really get himself in a good place yeah and then wherever he decides to come back whether it's an impact whether it's uh work the indies yeah i think i think i think it's gonna be work the indies just because of if his track record of what's happened is enough for wwe to let him go you know, when he was featured semi-prominently, I would say, mm-hmm. when, he, when they put you up oh, there yeah. with Randy Orton, one of the, their best of all time, and you know, one of their upper echelon, you know, in a tag team program for a number of months, you know, they obviously think very highly of you, but when it just becomes enough with the nonsense off-screen that WWE wants to cut you loose, that might put a little bit of a sour taste for anybody who's willing to give it a try. Yeah. Uh, the other one we got to talk about uh, took place that same day. It's not a release, although, however, it is a bit of interesting news. Uh, mm. And that is uh, Friday Night SmackDown is moving to the USA Network in 2024. Yeah. So reading from an article on usatoday.com, it says, quote, WWE will be shaking up its weekly programming schedules, uh, programming network, excuse me, as Friday Night SmackDown will move back to USA Network beginning October 2024 in a new partnership between TKO Group Holdings and NBC Universal, the company. Companies announced Thursday. Uh, the new deal is a five-year agreement, and when it begins, WWE will produce five, uh, four primetime specials per year that will air on NBC. 
The first time the company will air primetime shows on their network, on the network. Mm-hmm. SmackDown has been on Fox since October 2019, but the weekly show was uh, the weekly show was on USA Network before that from 2016 to 2019. USA Network currently airs Monday Night Raw and NXT and all pay-per-view events like WrestleMania and Survivor Series air on NBC Universal's Peacock. USA Network also aired Raw when it debuted in 1993 and did up until September 2000 before it returned in October 2005. Close quote. Big move for NBC. Uh huh. Big move for WWE TKO. <laughs> yeah. Arguably the biggest TV show that WWE is doing on on airwaves right now yeah. is going to find a new home. Yeah. This will be a big domino effect after because it has been announced that Raw and NXT will be leaving. Yeah. If I if I'm hearing correctly. Hey, well, it's it's sounding like they could. They haven't been it hasn't been announced like where they're going and they're being shopped, but it sounds like they could be leaving USA Network and they also could Raw could be leaving Monday nights. Well, if Raw leaves Monday nights, see, I think this is interesting because USA has always had WWE programming on Monday night for decades. Mm-hmm. And it's a bona fide win for them. Right. So it's, I so the only reason a lot of people watch USA Network. Right. So I would be surprised if they moved nights away, and I'm not saying that it's out of the realm of thought to think Monday Night SmackDown. Right? Yeah, you could. Like I say, yeah. you could see you could see that happen. Yeah. I think what will be interesting to see is where the other shows end up. Right. But I think the big enticing piece here was NBC agreed to do four shows, and they won't be a battle of the belts. They'll be right. like a really yeah big event. Right. And like I say, because I because I always think with how Battle of Belts winds up for AEW, in my opinion, I just don't think they get a big, you know, sizzle for the stakes, so to speak. Right, right. I think NBC is going to take full advantage of this. I think they're very happy because especially with the WWE Network being on Peacock streaming, mm-hmm. that's a big win for them. So I'm yeah. sure that that's going to, you know, be more enticing to re-up there. Yeah. But with Raw and NXT, that's going to be a big, big question mark. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm going to say... I don't see NBC getting all of the programming, even though it would be an amazing deal to pull off. It'd be good for them, but yeah, no, I don't see it either. I am now leaning more and more that Raw is going to ABC slash ESPN. That'd be wild. I'm really leaning that now. That would that would and if they keep it for a number of years, because I know the writer's strike is tentatively ending. It's not officially ended. It's, right. It's on the path to ending, but they put Raw on any night of the week over on ABC that instantly solves a night of programming for them 52 weeks a year where, where they don't have now barring any sort of like blizzard or snowstorm. Like we saw a couple of years ago, sure. where they had to do the one episode from the headquarters, but like, you know, where they've had to, uh, ABC has had to completely redo their schedule the last couple of weeks and add more money in a football games because they don't have anything to show on television. Mm-hmm. This would take care of that issue tenfold for the, for 52 weeks for however many years they decide to do this deal. I'm going to make a ballsier statement. If if Raw goes to ABC slash ESPN, it'll be on Wednesday nights. Ooh. I'm going to put it out there right now. They will not mess with the NFL. No. And I, the only reason they're doing multiple games right now is because of the writer's strike. Yeah. Well, and the actors. Too, well, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, everything going on there. But that's kind of leading into this. Yeah. Trust me when I say this. If the NFL is back up and running, you know, completely fine. All the, you know, strikes are over. Right. Though they will go on Wednesday night. I can see it. Wednesday night hasn't been a powerhouse, in my opinion, for them in quite some time. I could be wrong about this, but don't doubt that they, they're they not going to want to compete with uh, Friday nights if they remain there for USA. Yeah. 
there and Wednesday night is I will say this there'll be a WWE program on there at some point. Uh, I could say it. I don't doubt yeah. that they move that to Wednesday. Yeah, and, and and as for the specials on NBC, I mean it's hard to figure out what day it's going to be. We can rule a couple of them out. Mm-hmm. It's obviously not going to be Friday if they keep Smack. It's not going to be Friday if it's well, it's arguably not going to be whatever day SmackDown ends up being. So mm-hmm. X that one out. It's not going to be Saturday because NBC's got the big deal with a Notre Dame and then B the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So they they're showing a college football game uh, for a good portion of the year on Saturdays on NBC. There, uh, it's not going to be Sunday because you're putting it up against W or uh, the NFL for a good portion of the year. So going to be interesting to see when they do this. It will be definitely interesting to see, but you're going to see, like I say, the biggest domino has fallen. Mm-hmm. So now. It's going to be a matter of where Raw ends up. I fully, like I say, my gut, if I got to say locks and leaps right now, I think the lock is ABC slash ESPN. Okay. The leap is NXT to Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah. Just putting that out there. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Good to say it. Uh, and then the last bit of uh, WWE news that's broken during the week is uh, it was officially announced, and I'm reading from the press release they sent to us, uh, that WWE has signed Jade Cargill to a multi-year deal. Oh, boy. Uh, so reading from the email they sent to us, uh, the press release they sent to us, it says, quote, WWE, part of TKO Group Holdings, today announced it has signed Jade Cargill to a multi-year contract. Cargill, a standout performer who has earned accolades as an industry-renowned talent, will begin training today at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, close quote. Uh, and they did not uh, fail to notify us of that show, tape, uh, taping a video and showing, putting it on their social media of Jade walking into said Performance Center and then putting out a set of photos of uh, Jade Cargill working out in the Performance Center. Folks, if you're not buying in that Jade Cargill is a superstar, <laughs> oh boy. This is the first time in recent memory that we have gotten a press release, and I don't want to say broke the internet, Mm -hmm. but it broke wrestling Twitter. Yeah, it did. That this came out through ESPN. Uh We got the press release from our friends over at the WWE. Shout out to them. This is really hyping a superstar is now in our company. Mm -hmm. And one thing we've been touting here and on 607 TWS Jade gets it. Yeah, she does. She understands about making an entrance at a pay-per-view. She understands about getting the spotlight. She understands learning the craft and making sure that nobody is going to outsteal the spotlight from her. She gets this, and she is so young in this business, too, that now with WWE going to the Performance Center, there is no doubt in my mind WWE just landed arguably the biggest free agent of this year. Uh Uh-huh. And we'll have to see how it carries through next year. Obviously, there's a lot of contracts that are up in 2024 with another company. Yeah. Just putting it out there. But I think for right now, WWE landed arguably the biggest free agent name in the game. Huge, huge get for them. I also wouldn't be surprised if she completely bypasses NXT because I know a lot of people are expecting her to show up at uh, No Mercy Mm -hmm. this Saturday, which we'll preview here in just a second. But with them announcing this, a lot of people are surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if she takes a little bit of time in the performance center, get acclimated or whatever else, and then just immediately shows up on the main roster. Well, you got to think about this. I, I'm not doubting that, too. Like, if you want to do a percentage, I'm going to say 70% NXT, 30% WWE main roster right now, today. Right. The reason being is if WWE is still shopping NXT, right? Jade is a star. That's true. And you want to load up whatever roster you can right. of stars right. to sell to networks and say, hey, we're going to put this 
talented roster on your service right. each week. Show me the money. Right. Because – yeah. Because and Jade Jade like if you haven't been following, homegrown talent from AEW. Yep, what is in the record books for one of the longest undefeated win streaks as she was TBS champion. Uh huh. And she generates buzz with everything she does. So now you bring her to a WWE NXT roster that has Becky Lynch there right now. Yeah. Dominic Mysterio. Can't believe I'm saying this, but I am. Well, and don't forget, Kyrie Sane is supposed to be on her way back. Right. They're building that up with a great mix of WWE roster and rising talent that a network is going to want to make sure is on their programming. And Jade is like another all-star added to the dream team, so to speak. Could you see her doing a Outsiders kind of show up in NXT? No, I'm not saying copy it verbatim, but have her show up and be like, hey, listen. I've heard you talking a lot about how great this NXT women's division is. I want to check it out for myself. She could do something like that. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll allude to AEW by any right. which way. But they're not, they're not going to name AEW, but I think I, I could see her showing up going, hey, I've heard you talk a lot about uh, how great this NXT women's division is. I think I need to check this out for myself. Fully, fully. Could definitely see her doing that. In fact, I'll even say as we're going to go preview the uh, NXT card this weekend, I see her coming out at the end of the Tiffany Stratton Becky Lynch match. I could see no it. No doubt in my mind. Could see it. Lock that in. So yeah, as you mentioned, uh taking place this Saturday from the Mechanics Bank Arena in Bakersfield, California. It is NXT No Mercy, uh taking place at I believe eight o'clock mm-hmm. uh on Peacock here in the States. And then for you lucky souls overseas, it is on the WWE network. Uh and going through the matches here, uh the ones that we know of. Uh first matchup is a British round rules match for the NXT Heritage Cup. Uh you've got Noam Dar defending the NXT Heritage Cup against either Butch or Joe Coffee. Uh, we're going to find out on this week's episode of NXT who is uh, going to be the one facing Noam Dar. Noam Dar has been great. Um, the whole round rules, not really my wheelhouse. No, um, not, nor mine. You know, I've seen it a couple times. It's honestly, and this might be blasphemous for some people here, it's, it's honestly fucking confusing to me. Yeah. You know, uh, is it thrilling? Is it exciting to a certain degree? Yeah, sure. But it's just, it's just not my cup of tea. Right. Uh, but I, I'm going to say it's going to be Butch. Uh, and I'm going to say Noam Dar retains. Noam Dar is winning no matter what. Yeah. Uh, next up, you have a uh, singles matchup for the NXT Championship where you have Carmelo Hayes taking on Ilya Dragunov. Possible match of the year candidate. Uh, yeah. Not going to lie. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't see them moving the belt off Carmelo just yet. No. But if they did, I wouldn't be crazy shocked. Mm-hmm. Dragunov has been putting in great work. I'm still waiting for him to come up to the main roster. Got an idea for that. Oh, break it down. So uh, I think it's going to end up being Carmelo, and I think this is end up going to be like a trilogy of matches because I think we got to get this potential feud and not the potential feud with Carmelo and Dragon Up, but the potential feud I'm thinking about, and I didn't think of this until last night, to Mania. I think you're going to have Dragunov take on, at WrestleMania, Gunther. Oh, I love it. Because their, their matchups they've had prior, legendary stuff. You have Gunther continue his historic intercontinental championship reign to wrestlemania and have him get to however long they want to space this out to a month before a month and a half whatever it is it doesn't matter before wrestlemania where you have him come out with imperium and and do the typical shtick mm-hmm. i've beaten everyone uh, on smackdown and and uh monday night raw they're even have him go down to nxt for a couple of matches sure and just go i've beaten everybody there's nobody left Nobody can defeat me. Nobody has defeated me. 
And that's when Dragonoff's music hits and go, yeah, you haven't beaten me yet. I'd be okay with that. Set it up for Mania. I'd be okay with it. I don't think they're going to do that just because it's too long of a play, but I love the idea. Uh, Next up uh, for the NXT No Mercy card is Braun Breaker taking on Baron Corbin. Interesting feud. Yeah. We'll say that. Yeah. Um, Not really jumping at me. I think Braun's going to win because I think Baron's in that. Braun's going to win and he's going to kick Baron's shit in. Yeah. Like I say, this is all to get Braun over for the main roster. We're we're about to see how uh, good Baron Corbin can sell. Yeah. He's great, though. Braun's going to beat the shit out of Baron. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then in your main event, in an extreme rules match, uh, you have Becky Lynch defending the NXT Women's Championship against Tiffany Stratton. This is going to be a fantastic match. Yeah, it is. I'm all in about this. Uh, I'm going to say Becky is retaining just to set up her and Jade. I, I could see it. Well, the other thing, too, we have to... I think it's going to be Becky, too, but the other thing we have to know is because of what took place on Monday Night Raw, whoever wins this matchup will be facing Tegan Knox on Monday Night Raw next week. You know what? I'd be cool with either either or. Yeah, I would, too, but I, I think it's going to be Becky at the end of the day. Yeah, I do, too. I think it's Becky. I think there's just too much money to be had there with her and Jade. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, I, even if you want to drag the feud out until uh, Summer, or, uh, Survivor Series. Right. I'm completely fine with that, but... Yeah, I think that's how it's going to end, but it's going to be a great match. Tiffany Stratton is one of the most improved wrestlers, and just some of the stuff she's doing in the ring at this age, uh-huh. phenomenal. Yeah. So, like I say, her and Becky, and Becky, like I say, is really nothing going on in the main roster. She's great down in NXT. Yeah. It, it works. Yeah. So, you know, bring it on. Yeah. Man, there's a lot that happened this week in the WWE, so we definitely want to recap that with you. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. Where do you want to begin? WWE releases. Jade Cargill is now part of the roster. The TV deals are starting to fall into place, and WWE NXT No Mercy is this weekend. There's lots to discuss, so let's do that. And if you're looking for even more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out the latest edition of 607 TWS on your favorite podcast player. And and drop that subscribe to Nerd Initiative YouTube, and make sure to jump in the chat on Wrestling Night Live every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Nerd Initiative YouTube. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. First of which, obviously, being the local minute. And we got to talk some Binghamton Rumble Ponies baseball because they're still playing, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, they had the divisional series uh, in the playoffs against the Somerset Patriots where they won both of those games. Uh, it was a three best of three game series. They won two games. Uh, so they beat Somerset uh, in the first game by the final score of nine to two. Uh, then they beat them in the second game by the final score of two to nothing, which moved them on to the championship series. This is for all the marbles. This is for the title. They haven't won since uh, 2017, 2016. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, they're going for their fifth title in franchise history. Uh, they're taking on the Erie Seawolves. Uh, the series was supposed to have started on Sunday, uh, September 24th. However, much like a lot of us up here in the Northeast, uh, Ophelia decided to take a bucket and do the ice bucket challenge on us and dump a ton of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, game was postponed because of rain. It was made up yesterday uh, so on the September 25th as we, were, we recorded. This is a best of three game series, as mentioned. Uh, so they lost the first game by the final score of nine to six. Uh, their second game is on Tuesday, the 26th of September. This one is in Erie. This is a must win because if they lose this one, they go home. Mm-hmm. If they win, to, however, uh, the game three will be on Wednesday, September 27th at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, again, that's if they win tonight. If they lose tonight, however, 
Uh, it's all over. So right. we will see, but we're pulling for a win tonight because, hey, we would love to see a title here in Binghamton for our Rumble Ponies. Absolutely. Also, question, do you think if they win a title, Steve Cohen will have a party at City Field because that's the only successful things the Mets, <laughs> the Mets have done this year? Great question. Um, uh, maybe. Could be. Uh, and then we got to switch to some baseball news and some unfortunate baseball news because, uh, as was reported right as we were coming on the air, uh, the Hall of Fame third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles, Brooks Robinson, has passed away at the age of 86. Mm. Reading from an article on ESPN.com, it says, quote, Hall of Fame third baseman Brooks Robinson has died at the age of 86. Quote, we are deeply saddened to share the news of the passing of Brooks Robinson, his family, and the Baltimore Orioles said in a joint statement. An integral part of our Orioles family since 1955, he will continue to leave a lasting impact on our club, our community, and the sport of baseball. Close quote. Robinson made 18 All-Star appearances over a 23-year career spent exclusively in Baltimore and was a member of the franchise's 1966 and 1970 World Series championship teams. Uh, signed in 1955 as a free agent, the Arkansas native originally was a second baseman before the Orioles moved him to third base, a position he excelled at over his career. Robinson won 16 consecutive gold gloves wow. from 1960 to 1975 and started in 15 straight All-Star games at, night at third base from 1960 to 1974. Was He was known as the human vacuum cleaner for his adept play at the hot corner. His 16 gold gloves are second only to pitcher Greg Maddox's 18 for most won by a player at one position. Robinson was also one of the best clutch hitters of his time, amassing 2,848 hits, 268 home runs, and 1,357 runs batted in. He was named American League Most Valuable Player in 1964 and hitting uh, after hitting 317 with 118 RBIs, both career highs. Uh, Robinson was at his best in the biggest games. He was named the MVP of the 1970 World Series by hitting 429 with two home runs against the Cincinnati Reds and arguably had the greatest defensive performance in World Series history. Cincinnati manager Sparky Anderson heaped praise on Robinson following his team's 4-1 series defeat. Quote, Brooks Robinson belongs in heaven, not here on the ground because of the way he plays third base, Anderson said. The praise for Robinson's World Series wizardry didn't end there as former baseball commissioner Faye Vincent recalled the third baseman's play in 2006. Quote, nobody is going to show me plays at third base that will equal what Brooks Robinson did in that series. Quote, close quote, Vincent said. Robinson is third in career defensive wins above replacement at 39.1 behind shortstops Ozzie Smith, 44.2, and Mark Bellinger, 39.4, who was Robinson's teammate for 13 years with the Orioles. Uh, Robinson retired after the 1977 series and was elected into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot in 1983. In, in 1999, he was named to the baseball's all-century team, which honored the 25 best players of the 20th century. His number five is one of six jerseys retired by the Orioles franchise. <clears throat> uh, close quote. Yeah, I mean, legend in the game. Uh, yeah. stats, stats that just truly define what a Hall of Famer is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, from our team to his family, friends, and fans all over the world, our deepest condolences. Legendary player. Absolutely. Uh, to close out this edition of the ODPH, uh, there was some UFC news and a couple fights made that definitely are making some noise. Ooh. So it has been announced for UFC 296, December 16th, that Patty Pimblett, okay, the lightweight that's been making a lot of noise, 20 and 3 is going to be taking on Tony Ferguson. Oh, shit. 
So this is going to be fireworks. This is is going to either end one of two ways. Tony Ferguson is going to knock him out. Or he's not going to make it there. Or he's not going to make it, and or Patty's going to get in there and finish him early, and it's going to be the end. I if, think If there is any like surefire, stone-cold, 100% lock, the pressers will be real good. Oh, yeah, the pressers are going to be fantastic for this one. Uh, also announced for that card... Shavkat Rachmanov, okay. who UFC is huge on, 17-0, um, all finishes. Like he's, yep. I'm not going to crown him just yet as the next big thing, but he's definitely in that conversation, is taking on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I mean, hey, listen, if you listen or want to crown him, then crown his ass. Yeah, like I say, I know when the UFC gets really in love with uh, you know pushing people to the moon, <laughs> this is a situation where yeah, it's like, I, let's wait and see. I saw. I him. can think of a few. Yeah, I, yeah. I was gonna say we we've seen enough in the time that we've done this podcast that we could definitely talk about it. But yeah, yeah. I, you know, this like I say, this is building up for a very solid card. The main event that night is going to be Kobe Covington taking on Leon Edwards. So, Ooh. so like I say, they're really stacking this card up. I like what it's I'm good, seeing here. Good card for a solid build. I mean, I think the only one better right now is the one for MSG with John Jones and Stipe Miocic. Yeah, I think that one's coming together real nicely. So there's some yeah. really good UFC cards to take us out for 2023. Mm-hmm. That said, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all for the sports edition this week. So for the one and only Padawan J, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Punch, cause they can't bring